Member words of the Empire, let me welcome you to the Order 66 podcast with unlimited internet power. TK41, get back to your post. This is Douglas N. from Switzerland, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast except the instant a new episode comes out. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Well, howdy howdy, today is Sunday, August 3rd, we are back after a couple of weeks off, or a week off, I guess you could say, for episode number 28, the Order 66 podcast, I'm GM Dave. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris, and I'm uh, I'm glad to be here tonight, Dave, how about you? Dude, I am uh, stoked. Well, you know? that's, that's a good way to be. Carl Edwards won the race today. My Cubbies got bailed out by Reed Johnson and, um, well, Alfonso Soriano. They hit back-to-back homers in the eighth, and we win. Cubs win. You're Cubs happy. win. Cubs I'm win. I'm happy you're happy. Yes. I'm also happy to hear from Doug, man, all the way from Switzerland. Hey. That's awesome. I didn't know we got that in. I know. It's cool. And So uh, I, got a jo- I got a joke for you. Okay. What do you, call a per- what do you call a person that speaks two languages? I don't know. Bilingual, right? Sure. Right. What do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Trilingual. What do you call a person who speaks one language? I don't know. Monolingual. American. American. There you go. See, that's Ooh. it. That's it. Yes. Ha. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And speaking of down distant Americans, I I just like <laughs> to go ahead and say that I can ride my bike with no handlebars. No handlebars. No handlebars. Thank you. Thank you for the Flowbots reference. Very, very impressive. But speaking of impressive references, uh, we are going to be referencing this fine week, of course, for those of you who may just have walked in and uh, happened upon episode 29, the power and passion that is Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And this is the only cast uh, that is fan-generated that is currently devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. Um, but uh, we're glad you're here with us. And uh, what do you say, Dave? You think we should get some, to some announcements? Oh, I suppose that we probably can. Probably. Ooh. Very cool. There it is. Well, our cast is not the only one with power and glory. Uh, if you guys are at all interested in the amazing world of Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition, you can check out our sister cast, Radio Free Hamlet, which you can uh, download directly from our website, which is, of course, d20radio.com. And Dave, they just got their sixth episode up, and it is live, talking all about the Warlock. Adventure number six, Warlock. Adventure, yes. I thought they did Warlock. Oh, yes, yes. No, 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 no. This is a... Uh, they did Warlord. This is a. Uh, this is all about the warlock, and it oh, is tight. Right. Okay. 
Very, very cool. Very cool. And speaking of other podcasts, perhaps some official ones that deal with Star Wars Saga Edition, if you haven't uh, uh, been paying attention or been living in a hole, the first official Wizards of the Coast Star Wars Saga Edition podcast is up, has been for a few weeks now, and you can take a listen to it at uh, Watsi's official Star Wars RPG website, which is, of course, uh, www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. And uh, also talking about the system, Dave, that we all know and love. Of course, you know the Any Awards are in full swing, which yes. is of course the uh, the the award show, the the Internet Awards, uh, basically for for role players that you know N World hosts, basically. And uh, Rodney Thompson was uh, kind enough to to let us all know on the forums that he was so excited that Star Wars Saga Edition. How many how many awards was it nominated for? Cuatro. Uh, four. Yep. Four awards Saga has been nominated for. Unreal. And uh, if you want to show your support for this system, I think it would be just too fitting if the best D20 system in existence currently, which it is in my opinion, uh, got the love it deserved. And so you should go to www.anyawards.com. That's E-N-N-I-E awards.com slash voting slash index dot PHTML and uh, vote. Uh, put it out there for Star Wars Saga Edition. Now, guys, if you've already voted before this cast, go check the site again. They recently had a glitch this week that deleted all previous data that voters had entered, and so they're asking people to re-vote. So that's a big deal. Cue the Benny Hill music. Yeah. We we need Benny Hill music as a drop, Dave. Yeah, I know. The amount of wheels wheels off broadcasting that we do, heck yeah, we need it. (laughs) No joke. You should have that on a permanent button. Yeah. What else, dude? Well, swag is here, boys and girls. Swag! Oh, I, I love it. Um, swag is here. It is ordered. Um, as of right now, you can go directly to d20radio.com, and you can order the first of uh, our D20 Radio swag. We got t-shirts, t-shirts, t-shirts. You get them ordered and proclaim your pseudo-flaky internet membership in the fictitious Gamer Nation. Right. <laughs> um, plus, I, I have a secret announcement, Dave. Yes. For those who are going to be at Gen Con, if you are able to meet up with myself or the RFH crew, Radio Free Helmet, that's going to be there, you will get for free a special piece of D20 Radio swag currently only available at Gen Con. <laughs> and we're not going to tell you what it is. Right. So, uh, but it's not a t shirt. And the rest so, of uh, you, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Gamer Nation. Uh, outside the United States that wanted to know how you can get t-shirts shipped to you and all that. Look at me. I'm a dork. Okay. Anyway, we're going to switch over the t-shirt ordering to a like professional t-shirt making company and stuff. So they have a website. We will have that up in a matter of a day or two so you can go ahead and enter your information. International shipping will be calculated and all that good stuff because they have like a shopping cart and like for real instead of like just a little PayPal link <laughs> like we had yeah but yeah for those 40 people or so that ordered your t-shirts already through our PayPal stuff rest assured the ones that have come in just in the last few days I can't get those to you before Gen Con but uh, I'll have the rest of them out yeah as, qu- as quickly as we can get them I mean we don't even, we don't even have the first order in yet it's still right. still a, f- a few days out from us so yep but yeah, they look great. So I'm totally excited. Excited. We, we got a lot more excitement too. We got contests, man. Oh yes. 
contest, contest, contest. We had we had our, our, our D20 Radio graphic design contest, which helped build the T-shirt, um, and that ended a few a couple weeks ago. Um, but we have just ended the Build a Threat contest. Um, we we had a lot of submissions and a lot of great designs. You guys, you know, putting your gaming muscles, flexing them for us, you know, on the on the on the intertubes and uh, creating a threat suitable for publication and threats of the galaxy. And the news, boys and girls, the winner of this contest is someone. Uh, <laughs> judging has honestly um, not finished as of yet. Uh, we will have the answer next week, but there's just way too much to look at, and it's been a very busy weekend, and uh, we're having some some help beyond just the two of us, of course. We want to have a good mix. So uh, look ho- look forward to next week's cast, where we'll be announcing the winner of the Build a Threat contest. Right. And of course, Dave, the winner will be receiving a copy of The Chosen One, the yes. newest of the new animated films created by Chris Lackey, Clacky, on our forums, and uh, you can check it out on www.thechosenonemovie.com. And hey, do that. You know, you know Tracy Lords does a voice in that film. No, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. He just debuted this thing at San Diego Comic Con, man. I, right. I wish I could have been there. It sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. And uh, one final announcement, I guess, before we move on. Um, big congrats to Darren Varson, our own keeper of the archives. Today is his life day. That is all. So, congrats, Darren. Huh. Huh? I don't know what life day means. Oh, come on, Wookiee man. You don't know what life day is? Oh. It's his okay. birthday. Dude, I wasn't even thinking about Wookiee. Sorry. <sighs> life God, day. I, I throw like... an obvious, blatant Star Wars reference out there that you're going to get, I'm, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pull me is, out like My that. mind is nowhere near. I was laying out on you and all that, and my mind is nowhere near where it needs to be for that. Doggone it. Sorry. You need to get in the game, son. I swear. I need to get in the game. There's like 17 people that are going to be listening to this. You need to, you know, 17? focus. Yeah. Oh. At least, you know. See, I thought our subscriber count was only like 12. Really? Well, I don't have access to the numbers. Oh, all right. Well, we'll see. Oh, well. Well, um, I, I, I got kind of a, a weird... Uh, uh, package delivered to me today, Dave. Okay. Um, this actually got sent a long time ago, and apparently it got misrouted. Um, and it got sent to um, you remember our uh, our origins field reporter, uh, Duncan Vaderson. Vaderson, yeah. Yeah, this got misrouted to him, and he finally got it back to me. I mean, it was sent months ago. Huh. Um, but wow. it looks like a very belated postcard from Commander Cody. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, here, look at it. It's, it's certainly been through the ringer. It's got some stains on it. It may have gotten caught in a, you know, maybe a transfer machine once or twice. But um, uh, this postcard, uh, Gamer Nation, has a, a very pretty picture of a, a field of lavender and yellow grasslands with a distant forest in the background. And the uh, caption on the front says, Greetings from Dantooine. Wish you were here, as there is not much else but grass. <laughs> from across the galaxy, it's time for postcards. From Commander Cody. Rom. Dear GM Dive and GM Chris. Hi guys. This week the squad has been sent out to Dantooine in the Royal Barlow sector of the Outer Rim. This place is so remote that no one in the squad had ever even heard of it. Apparently, someone higher up heard there was a rebel base located here. Therefore, the squad and I are going to check it out. Still, it is a nice change of pace to get off the main galactic trade routes for a while. Dantooine is a pretty world, mostly temperate savannas of yellow and lavender grasses, separated by groves of short, spiky boulder trees. 
However, the tall grasses can hide some unpleasant predators. Calf hounds are particularly nasty, though good hunting. Lean, dog-like creatures that can jump out of hiding in the grasses towards you. We've had to burn down quite a few of them already. As would be expected, such a temperate world does have a few people living here. The planet is uninhabited by all but a few small groups. Two different ones. The first are the native Dantari. These primitive humanoids wandered the savannas, making a simple living from the land. For the most part, there is little contact between them and the settlers that have come here. As you can guess, a world like this is a popular place for farmers. There are a series of estates scattered across the planet. Each estate is generally the home of an extended family of farmers that make a good living from the crops they harvest. However, Dantooine is too remote for there to be many people willing to come here. Well, I'd better get back to the squad. So far, we've only found an old prefab base that appears to have been abandoned for some time. However, we'll keep looking, just to make sure that none of those rebel scum are hiding out here. Long live the Empire! Amanda Cody. Huh. That was nice. Yeah, it's nice, man. You know, I had uh, I had some Dantooine uh, corn the other day. You know, they grow really, really, you know, pretty big-ass corn out on Dantooine. Hmm, the Big-Ass Corn Company. Yeah, you haven't heard of it? Very famous. Dantooine-based, the Big-Ass Corn Company. Yeah. Their chips are good. They make the oversized toilets, too, the Big-Ass Toilet Company. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, the sister company, that's right. But, you know, their newest flavor of chip is, of course, the blue milk chip. Um, it's very, very good. But, you know, a little, little you know, lactose for me. dun 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 Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. What do you say we get to some real mail? Um, okay, sure. But hold on for a second. Yeah? We got a, another phone call from... I think we're just going to call him Old Man Dax. And here's what he had to say. Ah, you Jedi whippersnappers got it easy these days. Now you just clunk down a couple thousand credits and you got a power cell for your lightsaber. Back in my day, we wore our power cells on our back and connected our lightsabers with a cable. You couldn't deal with that, could you? No throwing your lightsabers around then, is there? Ha! You little punks. <laughs> and with that... Alright, scumbag, pay attention! It's time for mail call! I resent the use of lightsaber mismanagement. <laughs> bah. <laughs> All right, we got a couple questions for mail call today, guys. Um, the first one's going to come from Undead Bothan, uh, our, our I guess, resident zombie Bothan on the forums, uh, who has asked a rules clarification question. And uh, on the forums, he asked, how do ion blasts interact with cybernetic prosthesis? Um, our community on the forums answered this question almost immediately, but uh, this is one of those questions that I've seen it come up in gameplay again and again. It's, it always has to get looked up, so let's look it up now and be done with it. Uh, pages 159 and page 160 of the core rulebook discuss ion damage, okay? And they clarify this, although it's pretty well buried. But it's very clear that, quote-unquote, cybernetically enhanced creatures suffer ion effects the same way a droid does. So Luke or Vader or uh, Baudur, uh, they hate ion pistols and stun batons because they kind of do the same thing. You know, come to think of it, it really sucks to have a prosthetic in this game, Dave. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you're vulnerable to stunning and ion equally. Uh, right. You know, and it really doesn't matter how much uh, prosthetics you have. The rules say any. Um, so, you know, you have, you know, a, a, type, a type of mechanical something hooked up to your nervous system, you're going to feel the effects of ion so damage. So would you rather be missing those limbs? 
No, no, I'm pretty sure you know missing a limb would suck probably a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Is that Darth Kramer in the background again? Yeah, that's Darth Kramer. He's up here getting a scratch. Mm. Oh yeah. So excellent. But that's the answer to your question. Bothan, thank you. And uh, if you guys have any questions yourselves, of course, um, you can uh, go to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum, and you can post it up there. You can email us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Or if you have any bumpers, uh, any I Never Listen to the Order 66 podcast stuff, or any um, any questions you'd like to leave for us in person, uh, you can give us a call where, Dave? Oh, on the loser line. Let's say 206 600 5872. L-U-S-A. Lusa. Or you could just, as you said, go to the forums and post it up, which our second question was was done with. Uh, in fact, we get this second question from Funkamus Prime. I love that name. Uh, I know, right? Uh, he, he asked a couple questions on our forums this week, and one I want to cover now, and the other one much later. Uh, his question was, how does XP relate to starship combat? Do characters become the CL of the ship they're in? For example, if four first-level characters pilot X-Wings, which are CL-10s, and they do battle with a group of TIE interceptors, you know, like CL-8s, they seem to have a two-level advantage, okay? But, you know, if they win, they'll earn CL-8 XP. Um, that's a lot of XP to hand to first-level characters in a fight that they had very clear advantage in. Um, obviously, the easiest answer would be don't let your PCs get into X-Wings till they're 10th level, but right now I'm just trying to make sure I understand the rules and I'm applying them correctly. Okay, well, first of all, as Dave said, Prime, your name is Fracken Felger Carb. Okay. Um, secondly, um, our, our forum goers took a crack at this too, but I'm going to reiterate some of their wisdom. Uh, Starships of the Galaxy actually talks about this um, in a small section, the very last section on page 35, and I'm going to try and nutshell that ruling for you. Okay, It's a tad more complex than I like, but honestly, I... I really don't know if there's a way to get around that, just considering how it works. But basically, take the average CL of the hero ships, okay? Subtracting the CL modifier for like a good crew, okay, if there is one. Like if they're piloting like a, you know, a Star Destroyer or something. Um, divide this, this adjusted average CL by two, and then subtract the result from the CL of the opponents in the encounter. This will create an adjusted CL for the foe based on the ship they're up against. All right, um, That's very complex, but, but mathematically it's very, very sound. And it works. Um, it, you know, it doesn't exactly follow KISS, but then again, if, if you need the ruling, it is there. But also keep in mind that unlike prior systems, XP is, it's, it's not like you know, a level 1 character is going to earn different XP fighting a level 5 than a level 5 character would earn fighting a level 5. You're in the same amount of XP. The only time a real difference comes into play is if you know, the threat is you know, way beneath you. If they're 6 levels below you, you get a, you know, a tenth of the XP. But uh, that's often not the case in this scenario. But I understand where you're coming from. You know, you say you don't want to, you know, make the challenge way, way too easy. You know, it it's wouldn't really be a CL-8, you know, if you're in a CL-10 ship. So I get it. But, uh, you know, the XP situation is not that difficult. But if you're worried about, you know, making sure that the challenge is correct and you are awarding the right XP, that it is actually a CL-8 encounter, use that formula, page 35 of Starships of the Galaxy, and it will help you out. I hope that helps. There we go. There we go. What do you say we suspend some rules? Oh yeah, let's let's suspend some rules.
The Senate will come to order. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Motion granted. Well, for those of you who may not be aware, Suspending the Rules is our semi-regular segment uh, where we focus on some house rules, some changes to RAW, to uh, the existing rule set, that may or may not, depending on whether you like them, uh, enhance your game and uh, gives our, our listener base a chance to show off a, a lot of the stuff they use at home. And we actually, Dave, I mean, don't we have a, we have a permanent thread up for this, don't we? Um, we do. On the forums? Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so if you guys go to d20radio.com slash forum, uh, you can find a thread for this in the D20 Radio requests section. And uh, post up your house rules, man. We, we want to know what they are. Yep. Well, buddy, you and I had a conversation about this just, what, Friday? Yeah. Um, yep. This week's, this week's house rule uh, has been noted several times in, in a couple snippets around the boards, but one of our posters, Troa, started a hairball uh, of a good discussion on it. Um, Churro proposes the sentiment that it's a silly pain in the ass to track blaster shots. Um, many folks think it really detracts from gameplay and the, and the cinematic feel of the game. You know, you never see Han or Padme having to reload their blaster, you know. And so as such, um, he uses this rule for, in his games for any powered weapon. You don't run out of power pack ammo for firing shots, and energy cells don't run out in melee weapons through normal use. However... If you roll a natural one on your attack roll, you just might have burned out your power pack completely and need to replace it, or have done something else really nasty. And this is kind of his house rule. If, if somebody rolls a nat one, the player immediately rolls a d6, and the result of which is compared to a random effects chart. And the random effects are basically, if they roll a six, then this is hardcore. The weapon malfunctions or otherwise breaks, rendering it permanently useless. Oh. If they roll a five, the weapon overheats, disabling it for one die four rounds. I think that's interesting and fairly realistic. Um, if they roll a four, the power pack or the energy cell on the weapon is depleted and it has to be replaced, which is two swift actions to take in the same round to do it. Um, if they roll a three, the weapon has been damaged and it suffers a minus one penalty on attack rolls, which is a persistent penalty until uh, you can make a DC 20 mechanics check out of combat. Uh, a two on the D6, roll your normal weapon damage and apply it to a random ally. Um, if you're wielding a melee weapon and there's no ally within reach, you deal damage to yourself. Uh, that's really freaking hardcore. And if you roll a 1 on the d6, uh, the weapon's dropped and you hurl it 1 die 6 squares in a random direction. Uh, that's wild. Uh, that's pretty hardcore. However, it is worth noting that if you do roll a natural 1, you have the option as a player in his house rule to spend a force point to negate having to roll the d6 and suffer no ill effects, basically. Um... Dang, Dave, what do you think? I think it smacks of old-school D&D, and hence, I will disregard. Ah, see, I, I have a soft spot for old-school D&D. I like it. I like it. It smacks of, uh, of some second edition there. I think it's pretty neat, but honestly, dude, it's a tad hardcore for my own taste. Um, I can see, though, where some playgroups would really dig this. Um, I just don't like having a, a guaranteed 5% chance every single time I make an attack to have a catastrophic event of some kind that I'm going to have to spend a force point in the gate. Um, 
pretty much. I think this is just a bit hardcore for me. Now, however, and this is kind of what we were talking about, and you know, some other people on the forums had some other suggestions regarding it. There have been some great suggestions made by our forum goers using this same system, but the roll of that D6 causes the power pack drainage on a roll of a 6. 1 through 5, no harm, no foul. So if you roll a 1, oh well, roll the D6. If you hit a 6, your power pack's drain, you got to replace it. Otherwise, nothing bad happens. Um... That's a bit too lenient for me, though. <laughs> um, I, I just can't see that happening often enough where you're going to roll that nat 1, and then you're going to roll a 6. Um, I don't know. But on the forums, uh, Mortacide, another one of our posters, um, though, he hit on a solution that I really like. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to run this by you, man. Get your opinion of it. He suggests that on a natural 1, the attack, of course, misses. But then the player rolls damage normally. If the damage is over 10 points, the power pack is drained. And this way it makes it less likely for like a low power weapon, like a sporting blaster pistol to drain, you know, compared to like a blaster cannon, for example. Um, now, another variant I've seen on this theme is to use the weapon's point-blank range, which conveniently scales with the power of the weapon, um, as that damage point. So, you know, you do the same thing, you roll your damage, you compare it to the uh, point-blank range. You roll higher than that, the power pack's drained, you know, lower than that, you're okay. So, I don't know, what do you think of that concept? It's alright, I, I, I still don't think I've necessarily met one that I like yet. Really? Well, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about, how do you feel about tracking the uh, the blaster shots, though? I mean, it, it can get a little tedious. I mean, you, you know, I mean, a basic blaster pistol, you get a hundred shots out of a power pack. I know, and I, I've i just, I've used bowcasters forever, so yeah. I don't mind tracking them because I have to track them in sets of ten, but if, uh, you know, I, I, I take it one way or the other. It, it is a pain in the ass to, to track the blaster bullets, blaster, you know, bolts. Uh, is for something that could almost be useless. I mean, yeah. if you have a hundred, you know, hundred shots. Yeah, I like the old D and D. You know, if you if you do, you roll another D twenty. I, I kind of like that. If you roll another, if you oh, you mean like, like, like the, oh, you mean like the yeah we mentioned that the fourth the potential fourth edition mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, like because you know, like because they they introduced the concept of the saving throw in fourth edition. So maybe if you roll a natural one, you just roll a D twenty. And uh, on a roll of less than 10, your pack is drained. And that gives you basically a 45% chance to drain ammo on a nat 1. Um, that seems to follow KISS, I guess. Yeah, it's, but still, it's not... I don't know. I, it, uh, it, I, it's frustrating to me because I see the uselessness of tracking shots off of a 100-shot ammo clip, for lack of a better term. But at the same time, that same power pack is only going to give you 5 shots full auto on, you know... a. Uh, on a on a blaster rifle, on a heavy blaster rifle, basically, right. and there it's very important to track. You know, you are going to run out conceivably two or three times in a right. long encounter. So I mean, uh, all things right now, I haven't found a solution that I like, so I'm just going to go with raw. Yeah, well, there you go. But for those of you who like that more hardcore flavor or want to go for a little bit more realism with the potential for the weapon to go out, that is Troa's house rule, and it is there. You can check it out, and we want to hear your house rules. Post them up on the forums, please. Yippee ki yay! Wahoo! Wahoo! All right. Well, you know, I think um, I think it might just be time for a little bit of dark thought action, don't you think? The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. And now, dark thoughts with Twila Goodness. So the other day, I was down at the cantina, and I watched a corn order this drink, and it occurred to me, their females must be the most satisfied women in the whole galaxy. 
This has been Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek Goodness. And now, a word from our sponsor. Welcome to Tasha Station's 24-hour fly-through, pawn and blaster, speeder, parts, cybernetic, adult, gift, bounty hunter, discount, Jedi outlet. We got lightsabers, pod racers, power droids, TIE fighters, body armor, blue milk, power converters, chance cubes, slave girls, slave boys, womp rat on a stick, Jedi robes, Wookiee musk, Ewok calls, 19 runs, collectible, commemorative Kessel run plates. You want it, we got it right here at Tasha Station's 24-hour fly-through, pawn and blaster, speeder, parts, cybernetic, adult, gift, bounty hunter, jet, discount, Jedi outlet. Toshi, Toshi, what a rebel boy needs. Just outside of Anchorhead on Tatooine, off the Karelian run. <laughs> that Toshi, may have been one of the Toshi. Dude, yeah. that had to be one of the best calls we've ever got right there. Quite, quite reasonably, yes. I, I, I would agree with that sentiment. Quite, 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 yes, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, and that is full on gamer. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Yes, big, big clap, big, big clapping hand for Full On Gamer. Yeah. That is much appreciated. Yep. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the officer, eh? Oh, eh, eh? Yes. Let us talk about the officer. I want to talk about the officer. The too, too cool officer prestige class. Um, we we love this prestige class for several reasons, namely. It's not a capstone class or like a clear choice of advancement from one path. Um, there's many paths that can lead you to it. And its abilities, and this is what's really cool, enhance the role of whatever you came from. Uh, this versatile and and useful prestige class represents the hardened leader or a soldier that can, can pull a team through the toughest of spots. Uh, so let, let's talk about the prereqs for a bit. Um, of course... Uh, uh, Dave, please don't say anything about this. This is, of course, a seven-level uh, prestige class, uh, seven-level requirement. You need to have seven levels before you can enter it, so you can't take it until 18th level. Uh, there is no base attack bonus needed for this, which is good, uh, because I guess the soldier has as good a shot of getting into this as a noble does, so it should happen for both of them at the same time, in my opinion. Uh, in terms of the feats you need to have for this class, none. Absolutely none. That's right. Uh, your feats define your character, not your prestige class entry for this particular class. However, uh, one or two feats may seriously help you in this uh, prestige class, but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. As for trained skills, you have an odd one, one that rarely gets much use. In fact, we had this as a discussion of our D20 docking bay a little while ago. You need to be trained in knowledge tactics. The officer is, is supposed to be the character that is the meta-combat guru, the, the tactical genius, the, the Admiral Akbar or the Captain Nita, or, God, dare I say it, Commander Cody of, of your campaign. Uh, this makes sense to be trained in, in knowledge tactics. Plus, many of the officer's coolest abilities center around the need to make a knowledge tactics check. So, I mean, even if this wasn't a requirement, I would tell you to train in this anyway if you're going to go this route. Duh. Um, and by the way, knowledge tactics is a class skill for every single class. So what talents do you need to get into this prestige class? You need to have at least one talent from either the leadership talent tree, which is a noble talent tree on page 44 of the cool rulebook, or the commando talent tree, uh, which is a soldier talent tree on page 52 of the core rulebook. So bottom line, one level of either noble or soldier is needed, and that'll get you that train skill, you know, prereq that you need, but you can really just go around the board for anything else you want. I mean, you can multi-class into anything else, and then bam, at level 8, as long as you got that one level of noble or that one level of soldier to pick up something from either the commando or the leadership talent tree, then you're green. 
And the last requirement for this prestige class, the last prereq, is a special one. And oh yes, we have yet another role-playing constraint on prestige class entrance. Um, they seem to be growing as we go further into the book, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but um, basically an officer must belong to an organization with military or paramilitary division. Uh, that's it. Uh, so talk to your GM. I mean, they'll no doubt be able to accommodate you. I mean, you could be a you know a part of the Republic, you know, old or new, uh, the Empire, the Trade Federation, the Antarian Rangers, the Rebel Alliance. Uh, yeah, pretty much anything but a pirate has got a shot here. Although many GMs I know would rule that a criminal organization might even qualify, as a lot of the bigger ones definitely have some pretty hardcore military or paramilitary organizations. Yeah, true. So yeah, well let's uh, let's talk about the basics then, Dave. Um, this is a ten-level prestige class. Okay, has a D8 hit die, full base attack bonus, full base attack bonus, um, and a plus two class bonus to reflex defense and a plus four to will defense. Yeah. Okay. If you're coming from the noble track, this is brilliant. Okay, your hit die and your base attack bonus have both improved. Um, if you're coming from the soldier track, the hit die isn't great, but you do keep your rock and base attack bonus, and you shore up your will defense, a defense that was probably very weak before. Right, so that's a big boon to you. Um, second level ability. What's the second level ability called for this person? Command class? cover. Command cover. That's right. Uh, basically, this is identical to the crime lord's ability. Command cover. Um, you know the ability that you get at every even level. Um, of this prestige class. It gets better as you go. Basically, you, you gain a plus one cover bonus to your reflex defense for each adjacent ally up to half your officer level. Um, and it has been clarified, boys and girls, that crime lord and officer levels stack for the purposes of command cover. Oh. Um, so multi-class away for some command cover goodness. Even if you actually manage to take 10 levels in like Crime Lord or this, you could go ahead and take another three levels in the other one and make command cover even better if you so desired. So, very cool. Wondermous. Beautimous. Beautimous. Uh, the... The even level ability for this prestige class, excuse me, uh, command cover you get at second level. The even level ability for this prestige class is share talent. Uh, and this is a pretty good one. Uh, basically, Dave, at every even level in the officer, you pick a talent that you already have, okay, from either the influence, the inspiration, the commando, or the military tactics talent tree. So, two noble talent trees, one soldier, um, or obviously the military tactics, which is new to this prestige class. You pick a talent from one of those trees, and then once a day, as a standard action, you can share that talent with a number of allies equal to half your officer level, as long as they can see you and hear you, and they're within 10 squares. And they don't have to meet the prereqs for this talent. You just give it to them for the remainder of the encounter, basically. Why is that so badass? Well, I mean, okay, let's say you come from, Dave, let's say you come from a soldier background and you picked Indomitable, okay, or, or Tough as Nails. You know, Indomitable, of course, lets you, uh, you know, move up the, uh, the condition track once a day just, you know, for free. Yeah. Uh, tough as Nails lets you second win an extra time a day, okay? Those both come from the Commando Talent Trees. Perhaps you even got one to qualify for this prestige class. Well, your allies could be down and out, nearly out of hit points, second wins, already spent that day, and you can spend a standard action to Give them a tough as nails for the rest of the encounter so they can take another second wind. You can spend a standard action to give them indomitable if you have it and just let them move up the condition track during the encounter if they absolutely need it. 
Um, my favorite little trick for this is is there's a, the noble based um, officer who would probably have bolster ally, which of course is in the inspiration talent tree. They can share that with the party, who then can in turn during one round all use it in a single round to buff the party meat wall if he's really hurting. You know, they can move him multiple steps up the condition track, one for each person who's huh. doing it, and give him multiple d8s in bonus hit points. Nice. Um, that's freaking huge. Yeah. So yeah, very cool even level ability, but we're going to talk about more ways we can use it as we go. Uh, talents, Dave. Yes, sir. Talents. What talent trees does the uh, the officer have to choose from when they pick their talents? Well, the first one we have, sir, is the leadership talent tree. The leadership talent tree. Uh, this is a noble talent tree. We discussed it in our noble discussion way back, episode three of the podcast. Give it a listen. I don't want to repeat it. Um, all I really have to add to what we said there is this. If you're a noble who is level seven and you want to simply continue as a noble to take anything out of the leadership talent tree, go officer instead. If you're going to be taking the leadership talent tree, just go officer. Get the bonus hit points. Get the best base attack bonus. Okay? No reason not to do that. Right. So unless you want uh, no. money. Unless you're greedy. Well, oh, ooh, that's a very good point. I didn't think about that. Obviously, if you're a noble with the wealth talent, you may want to keep going noble just to take advantage of that. Ah, look at you, man. Keep me on my toes. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I like it. Get, yep. yeah, don't get used to it. It won't happen again. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what was next, man? Commando talent tree? Commando. Okay. We talked about this back in episode eight of the podcast, um, which detailed the coolness of meat shield glory that is therein. Go listen to it. Uh, I'll <laughs> say this. Um, indomitable and tough as nails are possibly the two greatest talents for the officer to get out of the commando talent tree strictly because they combine so well with the share talent right. ability, yeah. which we just discussed. Um, battle analysis is an often overlooked option for the commando talent tree. Um, knowing who's at half their hit points isn't too terribly useful. I mean, it can be, but not always. But the thing is, it, it uses a knowledge tactics check to function. And you're probably going to be doing that anyway in the officer prestige class. So it's something to think about. Maybe you just want to be a knowledge tactics guru, and if you're going to be buffing your knowledge tactics anyway, it might be a decent, um, you know, a decent little talent to pick up just to follow along the same theme. Yep. So... But let's move to the meat, Dave. Ah, yes. Military, military tactics. tactics. Yep. Yeah. Um, or fear my power, you little girly man. <laughs> Get to the chop. Oh, no. Here we go again. <laughs> Wrong cast. But um, this is a great talent tree, and it's the meat of the officer's abilities. And the majority, I will say this, the, the majority of the talents in this tree, they don't activate without a successful knowledge tactics check, DC 15. Okay. Now, this is important to note for a couple reasons. One, few support talents rely on skill checks to activate. So be prepared for that if you're playing a support character. Two, by 8th level, which is the first level you can enter this prestige class, even with a 10 intelligence score, you're automatically going to have a plus 9 to knowledge tactics just for being 8th level and being trained. Okay, That means you need to roll a 6 minimum um or basically you've got a 70 percent chance of meeting that dc7 that dc15 each time okay now if you have a feat to burn you don't know what to pick pick up skill focused knowledge tactics that's another plus five rendering you a guaranteed success each and every time you make a military tactics check uh, excuse me a knowledge tactics check even if you roll a natural one you're going to get the 15 even if you have a zero intelligence bonus yep so something to consider yep well let's talk about the talents themselves dave what's first Assault tactics. Assault tactics. 
Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Uh, designate a foe as a move action. And uh, make your DC 15 knowledge tactics check. And any ally able to hear and understand you now deals an extra one die six of damage against that foe until the end of your next turn. <laughs> That's huge. Suck this could you. let your entire party put pain with a capital P on a foe pretty quickly. But you know where it really scares the crap out of me, Dave? An NPC officer, oh, maybe, I don't know, leading a squadron of stormtroopers can decimate a party with this one little talent. Pretty soon, you know, you have 20 stormtroopers that are all dealing an extra die six of damage. Um, blah. Oh, so, Assuming they can hit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, much fun to be had, and it's wonderful, that support role. Yep. Um, next on the list is deployment tactics, uh, where you, you make your DC-15 check, and you grant any allies that are able to see, hear, and understand you a plus one to attack flanked foes, or, or a plus one to reflex defense against attack of opportunities. Uh, Meh. Yeah. Meh, yeah. Um, I mean, hey, you don't, hey, if you've got born leader or battle analysis, it becomes a plus two. Woo! Uh, still, meh, yeah. It's okay. Uh, but more importantly, it is a prerequisite for the next three talents in the tree, uh, so which are boss. necessary evil. Yes. So what's next, man? What's this first talent that is the, uh, you know, the, uh, branching off that prereq? Field tactics. Field tactics. Um, any party that understands and uses range combat properly will want this immediately now. You're going to want it yesterday. Um, the officer makes his DC-15 knowledge tactics check and grants any ally within 10 squares basically a double cover bonus. The, the plus 5 reflex defense bonus you, grant, you get granted by cover now becomes a plus 10. Um, that's freaking huge. Uh, so, I mean, if your GM is setting up his maps properly, you know, i.e. with good cover, um, this talent is worth its weight in credits. I mean, straight out. I mean, if you're taking cover... A plus ten, they're gonna have. They're practically gonna have to aim to hit you and burn two swift actions. Right, basically. Uh, next on the list, we have one for the team. <laughs> and not only do I like the title of this, it's just fun. It's very fun. Salura needs this. Yeah. You know, because you know he uh, you know needs to protect uh, the the younglings that are you know getting the beat down by Masasi warriors. You know, in uh, in hidden secret temples on Yavin. Right. Yes, reference to Friday's game, by the way. I'll be, I'll be posting it up soon. Uh, but uh, one for the team is so much better than Harm's Way. Uh, it makes the meat shield happy, happy. Uh, as a reaction, basically, you can take half or all of the damage from an attack made against an adjacent ally. Or the adjacent ally can do the same for you. They can take the attack for you if you have this talent, even if that ally doesn't have the talent. Um, so, I mean, this is a great talent. It's wonderful for the bodyguard meat walls or for the squishies. If you're a squishy officer, you know, a little pissant noble, you can have this and just, you know, have an ally next to you that's a big, dumb meat shield take the hit for you just because you have this talent. Um, and that's incredibly useful. So it really serves double duty and can affect two different types of builds. I like it. Yep. I like it. What's next? Uh, outmaneuver. Outmaneuver. Um, I like to call this talent mind chess wars why does it sound scary yeah pretty much sounds scary and kind of cool uh but with this little ditty um you can make your dc 15 check and you can strip any enemy in line of sight of all competence insight and morale bonuses on attack rolls um or dodge bonuses to reflex defense <laughs> until your next turn um basically you're defanging the gundark 
to not put too fine of a point on it. Uh, you know, so much, especially at mid to high levels in this game, you, you know, you're going to have officers, other officers, perhaps, uh, nobles, you know, people that are receiving morale bonuses constantly, people that are, you know, receiving dodge bonuses to reflex defense. I mean, stacking on top of each other nonstop. And with this one check, you can strip all that away for a full round. And that's pretty huge. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that Outmaneuver has two prereqs, both deployment tactics and field tactics. And if you use it and there is another noble, an enemy noble present, um, he can actually make an opposing knowledge tactics check to stop you from outmaneuver, basically to outmaneuver you to keep you from outmaneuvering him. I'm outmaneuver you. No, I shall outmaneuver you instead. Ho, ho. Uh-huh. And now you see why I call it Mind Chess Wars. Ah, yes. Yes, ah. Well, the uh, the last three talents in this tree, Dave, they kind of all go together. Um, shift defense, uh, shift defense one, shift defense two, and shift defense three. Um, these three talents, I mean, they're fantastic if you find yourself in the thick of things, and they can really serve to strengthen your weaknesses if needed. But basically, shift defense allows you to take a penalty to two of your defenses and add a bonus to your third. Okay, and it's your choice which defense it is each time you do it. Um, and the penalty bonus, you know, ratio, it gets better with each level of shift defense until you're finally, you know, at shift defense three, you take a minus five to two defenses of your choice and you get a plus five to the third defense. Um, I find this fairly useful, but only because you can generally identify which defense is going to be needed in a specific situation. Okay, if I'm, you know, in, in, a, in a social scenario, in a social encounter, and you know, or maybe I know this is a Jedi that's thinking about mind-tricking me, or has the potential to do that, I, you know, I don't give a crap about my reflex or fortitude. I'm going to want my will to be pumped so I can shift, you know, the other two down and pump my will up. Or vice versa, if I'm in a firefight, or if I'm, you know, fighting something I know is known to be poisonous or something to that effect, or a forest user. Um, and that's, that's pretty cool. Now, if it's not readily apparent as to which uh, you know defense you might need, a good GM would probably allow a knowledge tactics role, <laughs> uh, which you should be pretty damn good at, uh, to see what's going on and to guess which defense is probably going to be most useful to the situation. So that's pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, man, I like it. I like it a lot because I was in a we were I was in a heck of a firefight and uh, kind of a cage match to the death. During a ah, yes. during our last Friday night, if I could have bo- boosted my reflex defense like that, good lord! Yeah, I, I mean, your your will, your fortitude—they meant almost nothing in that scenario. I would have so, been unhittable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You would you would have been unhittable. Very very cool. Because you tried to strip your armor off too. Uh, I so, did. I didn't yeah. have to, but, but you know, you didn't have to, but you chose to, and it was good role playing. It was. Uh, so yeah, very very cool thing. But bottom line, guys, the officer it can be entered in for, at from any angle. But it's very clear that it's designed to focus around two builds or, or themes, both of which are often diametrically opposed. Um, the first one we kind of like to call the commando. Um, this is that you know character stemming the officer stemming from a soldier background. Um, this build focuses on massive defense and true defensive meat shielding. Uh, often you know the soldier with harm's way, uh, indomitable, tough as nails. You know all the armor talents. Okay, uh, this officer can make the best use of the share talent. All right, especially with indomitable and tough as nails, and will probably find one for the team and shift defense to be his most useful abilities. Um, like like you said, man, you can make yourself impossible to hit, uh, nearly or impossible to keep down. Um, all the while keeping your squishy party members from getting hit. Yep. And if, if that's the role you're playing, this, this prestige class could seriously help you out in that regard. Yep. Now the second build, uh, for lack of a better term, 
um, would be what we call the tactical genius. And this stems from a real noble background. This build would focus on buffing the party and debuffing the enemy, to, to use an MMO analogy. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, by the way. Uh, sorry. Outmaneuver, uh, field tactics, assault tactics, they're all going to be the gems for you. Um, and proper use of bolster ally via sh- the shared talent feature uh, can make you a mega buffer when a party member's in trouble. So. Yep. Very cool. So if you're playing that noble, um, that's you know working as the as the party uh, party buffer, the the healer, maybe the medic, um, and you want to go for a more martial bent, maybe you're seeing a lot of action from a role playing perspective. This can really pump you into that level. It'll help you out with a great hit die, great base attack bonus, and its abilities will do nothing but enhance what you already have. Um, by the same token, if you're a soldier who needs to do a bit more than just be a meat shield, you want to be a good meat shield, or just you know actually have some real uh, cool combat abilities um, as well as some you know, potential non-combat abilities and uh, you know, ways to, to help your party in a greater stance, this can lead you down that path. So there it's fantastic, go. and it is the officer. Take a look at it. Yeah. Wahoo. Wahoo, Nebraska, my man. Wahoo, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And for those of you TK fans, he is um, not doing well. Unfortunately, he's taking yeah. a turn for the, ro- for the worse. He... Uh, is in uh, critical condition again and uh, is unable to be with us this week. I know. I heard, um, and it, it's it's kind of a shame. I heard that you know after after his surgery, uh, he uh, he apparently went a little too far with the sponge bath. Yep. And there was an injury um, involved in a in a in a hot tub, uh, a certain part of the hot tub. And um, it uh, caused him to have to go back in and, and, and uh, reattach a couple things and um, make yeah. a few changes. And uh, he's pretty much in a, in a constant state of just unbelievable pain right now. And uh, our thoughts uh, go out to him and, you know, the rest of his squadron that I'm sure is missing him. You know, this, this fine, fine servant of the Empire that uh, is, you know, wounded. I, I sincerely hope, though, Dave, that they consider, you know, going for the Galactic Cross on this. I think he deserves it, you know, for his, his wounding in the line of duty. I think it would, I think it would be fitting. Right. Even though he wasn't at his post. Well, you know, I'm sure they can't tell us everything he does. You know, a man of his stature, you know, that level of, of you know, intelligence and reconnaissance work, they, they don't want to let us in on secrets like that. All right. Well, let's step into the bay. Sounds like a plan. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. All right. This edition of D Twenty Docking Bay brought to you by Funkamus Prime. Indeed. Yes. Our friend and poster Funkamus Prime um, inspired me this week. You inspired me, sir, to rant. Uh, potentially about what I consider to be possibly the most important D20 docking bay I have done in a while, maybe have ever done. Drum uh, queen. Yes, I know. Just, just go with it. Yeah. But uh, this docking bay, Dave, we will be eschewing the mechanical for a more real world slash real need uh, request. Prime's request was simple. He wanted to know about tips on finding a group. Especially, he writes, for the post-college crowd. It seems the further I find myself removed from school, the harder it is to find a gaming group. Asso, young Prime, asso. 
Your question, it bears the fruit of much consternation and frustration from many gamers across the world. And with that, this humble sensei of interweb radio gaming shows, which upon retrospect is about as splendiferous as being the best bullfighter in Alaska, huh. uh, will attempt to share my own suggestions with you. Um, I think, good sir, that you have several options available to you, and I apologize, younglings, for the forthcoming rant. Oh boy, here we go. First up, Prime, take a drive to the FLGS. Friendly local if gaming you store. have access to a friendly local gaming store, go there. Be courageous enough to break the geek mold and actually talk to the fat beards that are poring over the Witchblade Annual with lusty eyes, or, or, or the kids eyeing the role-playing section with secretive abandon. Gamers, we're, we're a strange breed, sir. Very few of us openly proclaim our passion, but once that door is open, we will run through it. So ask questions. Ask the guy behind the counter if need be. Hey, are there any groups playing Star Wars? For all you know, he might want to start one. Um, ask if you can post up a looking for group notice there, okay? Most game shops have back rooms devoted to dice rolling and caffeine consumption, and they usually have big, friendly bulletin boards. Um, just type up, type up a real quick looking for a Star Wars group request and tack it up there. Um, it might be a little tad dangerous to leave a phone number, but a free Gmail or Yahoo account easily created can be your point of contact. Um, so, an excellent idea. But, but wait, GMC, you say. There's no friendly local gaming shop near me. Well, try a mega bookstore, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Borders, etc. I mean, even used bookstores are like half-price book places. Each one has RPG sections. Um, they're usually near the fantasy, sci-fi, manga areas. Don't be afraid. You walk right up with the power of any other consumer of fine printed material, and you pick up that saga book or that D&D tome, and you thumb through it boldly, and you keep your eyes open. You watch for who else heads to this dusty and little used shelf in the back of the store and then quickly starts to turn away when they see someone else is standing there you know or 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 i the hungarian cookbooks one shelf over like that's the reason they walked over this way all along yeah right make eye contact smile nod with that knowing nod that says what's up pimp oh you roll too hells yeah acceptance <laughs> equals comfortability all right which might even lead to a new member of your fledgling gaming group. I have personally met no less than four long-time friends and gamers, each of which had never played the system I was running beforehand in front of a shelf at Barnes & Noble. Okay. My next suggestion, it is the 21st century, Prime. Even funky Autobots from Cybertron can get their groove on while surfing the internet. Uh, first and foremost, the options of playing online uh, with folks across the globe are many. But sincerely, I will divulge that entire uh, that entire uh, I will divulge that we have an entire docking bay currently in development for that little option. So I, I really don't want to spend too much time on it here. But uh, plus, your questions need to be more about finding live players for your group. Okay, so let's continue with that. The internet is still an amazing resource. A simple Google search uh, for your hometown and RPGs usually yields amazing results. Um, bulletin boards for local gaming groups, homebrewed playgroup sites for gamers that like to enshrine their exploits in the form of Electron databases, um, existing forums such as ours, or uh, super large ones like Gleemax, you know, which is Wizards of the Coast official forum, which can be reached from the forum link at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. Uh, they're great places to post looking for group notices. You see them all the time. Um, another common thing I see are Yahoo groups devoted to area-specific gaming. Uh, most local chapters of the RPGA have Yahoo user groups devoted to themselves. Sign up. I mean, gosh, that's how I first met my RPGA chapter. Find out when these folks meet. Easy peasy. But lastly, sir, 
and to bring a deep close to this shallow rant, I humbly suggest that you follow the words of Gandhi and be the change you want to see in the world. Prime, don't find a group to join. Start a group to be joined. If you try and you try and you can't find gamers near you, don't lose heart. They're there. We're everywhere. Gamer Nation. Many of us without the knowledge that we are gamers at heart and we're waiting to be taught or we know it and we're just sitting at our computers looking for a game just like you you be the one to offer that game if you build it they will come you be the one to start the yahoo group or post the looking for players sign in the game shop i speak from very personal experience sir that will find you your group Jesus, yes. if you build it they will come there we go. And with that, with that, I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. In looking for Moonlight Graham, ladies and gentlemen, we had a ton of bumpers this week. I'm, I'm sorry that we couldn't use them all, but, um, you know, we do the best we possibly can. All right, and keep them dice a rolling. This is Tango Zulu 62. And when I'm on a mission, I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Jedi Master Xerix from the neutral Vorpine Hive of Corpil. Younglings, do not listen to the Order 66 podcast. It can shrivel your antenna. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.